This is John Stepling, and this is Aesthetic Resistance. This is podcast number, gosh, I don't know, something. Uh, and this is a terrific podcast and one I have looked forward to with me. Um, again, is Hiroyuki Hamada in New York. Hi, Hiroyuki. Hi, John. And um, Corey Morningstar, the um, uh, somebody I've wanted to have on here forever and that I'm so pleased to have on uh, in Toronto, I think. Yes, Corey? I'm near Toronto. I'm actually outside of Toronto, about an hour and a half away. And um, thank you for having me. I'm really happy to be here with you and um, Hiroyuki. I'm really happy about it. Yeah, thank you. Well, I think... Um, I think what I would like to do is start a little bit with you, Corey, because I'll just introduce this to the extent that Corey, I think, is one of the really important, if not the most important, journalists living. Um, and her work has been extraordinary over the last couple of years, um, and or longer than that. And um, her 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 blog, The Wrong Kind of Green, is quoted everywhere. Uh, anybody who reads me knows that I have quoted it quite a bit. And um, maybe you should just talk a little bit about how that started, where that started, and what it's about. Um, well, that started because I had been um, a community activist on the ground for quite a long time, and I was working um with many of these groups that i write about today and involved with um you know un union leaders and union parties and politicians ngos and after a few years i started really recognizing that although that group although that work was really gratifying in in respect to making me feel really good about myself um and that sense of community i i really um loved it wasn't really changing anything. And, and then, um, you know, that's when the, the discussion sort of heated up over climate change. And um, we started um, campaigning around that. And then I ended up that year, you know, as, as I commenced my work, I became more involved in these um, green groups. Um, and then leading up to what was it, COP15 in 2009. Mm -hmm. um, I went to Copenhagen. Um, anyway, I realized, I, I, I came to the understanding that the biggest barrier to any change <laughs> was actually the groups that I was involved in. Um, you know, not allowing, basically they stood as a barrier between people, how do I put this right? Um, I came to see them as an extension of the very powers that we need to um, dismantle and tear down, not yeah. only an extension of, but a protective barrier of. And, the, and then I made the decision to sort of step back and analyze what was going on. So step away from physical on the ground activism and um, start investigating and researching and writing about this. And yeah, and that's what I've done for the past decade or, or longer, I guess. Yeah. Right. Right about well, this. Yeah, I, 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 I don't remember where I first um, 
where I first read you, I think it was it was almost accidental. I stumbled across something, and then, um, and then I saw that there were several other people um, uh, quoting you and and recommending you, and then I and I started um, reading everything that you that you wrote, and it and it seemed so kind of prescient and and correct, and sort of validated, verified suspicions that I had had uh, for for several years <clears throat> and uh, it it now I'm one of your kind of devoted followers um, the stuff has been extraordinary and and so here we are um, with that as a kind of preface here we are in the midst of these these covid lockdowns uh, and time magazine, uh, devotes a cover to the Great Reset, Klaus Schwab, and uh, you know it's 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 something that um, we were just talking before the um, podcast began, before we recorded. That that if you would ask me a year ago, if you'd asked any of us a year ago, that that things would have unfolded this way this quickly these these kinds of restrictions and and government by decree i would have said it was impossible i mean the scale of it has just been extraordinary and apropos of those those giant corporate entities the the ones that are involved in Davos and, and the World Economic Forum and all of these places. Uh, because I read yesterday something about Indonesia and the late Andre Blitschek, um, who was something of a friend of mine and visited me here. You know, he used to talk about Indonesia as a really failed state because of, of all the international economic, you know, entities that, that, um, that had plundered their country and that I read, you know, this is a, Indonesia is remarkably large. It's a country of almost 300 million people, 280 million people, huge. And they've had very few deaths, 16,000 COVID deaths, but they're under um, extreme lockdown. So, you know, one has to ask why. Um, clearly not many people are infected. Very, 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 very few people are dying. 0. 0.005 or something ridiculous. I mean, you're more likely to be hit by lightning than, than die of COVID in, um, in Indonesia. Um, and the answer, of course, is that, that somewhere there are these, these uh, giant corporations, government agencies, you know, the NGOs, all of these things that that have a unified um, agenda here. And and the message has gone out to, that you can't you can't disagree with this. It's in the interest of I don't know how cynical it all is, but and that's an interesting question. But but clearly somebody told Indonesia to follow the diktats of of you know the World Health Organization and CDC and and the United States. I don't know, but I but I leave it to you guys to. I mean, how did this happen so quickly? 
Um, I don't, you know, I was thinking about this yesterday. I, I think we really underestimated the extent of the indoctrination over the past few decades, you know, um, via media, um, you know, Hollywood, um, NGOs, the nonprofit industrial complex, um, so, you know, academia, it, it's, it's been consolidated under this one big umbrella of corporate ownership and power. And in Canada, we have a populace that's very, very domesticated at this point. And this has shown me to what extent, and it's absolutely frightening. And, you know, I, I could have never believed it, um, you know, but here we are. Yeah, I, I, I live in Norway and um, I saw something today that if you were, were thinking of moving out of the United States, Norway was one of the preferred destinations because, because the restrictions have been relatively minor here. Uh, I, it doesn't feel that way to me. I mean, I can't drive to Sweden, which is only, you know, 200 less than 150 kilometers from here, but I can't drive there. I used to drive there all the time. Um, and, uh, and that feels like an extraordinary um, thing that I can't do that, that there are police and national guard and, and the Norwegian army is out patrolling the border. That's extraordinary to me. Um, and, and, uh, and I find it horrifying and, and dangerous. And yet when I talk to people, it seems like, I don't know, I, you know, half the people have bought into this, but the other half, the people that don't, who have rejected this narrative, who are skeptical, um, and suspicious, uh, but they're afraid to speak up, I think. And, that's that's a huge factor nobody wants to be called um a covid truther or you know a conspiracy theorist or whatever it is um and also i think even the people that reject the idea are reluctant to to look at the full implications of what you often write about Corey. that 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 these you know these global um forces huge you know the the very wealthy engines for um that that influence governments and and are unified really that that um that they have that power there's it, it's it's a very strange thing because people it's i don't know it's 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 cognitive dissonance they, because they don't both want to believe it and, and not want to believe it i think um but Hiroyuki would say something to me. Well, I mean, it's it's really uh, 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 we're looking at something um, um, that came out of big structural um, um, situation in which we have so many layers uh, pointing to this uh, consequence and. Um, um, it's really hard to talk about it because we are forced to internalize whatever out there that's uh, enforcing those things. So when we criticize certain things, some people, a lot of people, they, they feel like they are being criticized. Right. Uh, 
you know, because that's part of themselves as well. So um, it's a very tough situation. And it's, it, it involves um, um, our daily lives. And um, um, it's, it's one thing to have those things that are already here. And uh, uh, we talk about, for example, we talk about uh, the US invading countries, uh, uh, homelessness, uh, epidemic proportion, and uh, uh, police officers are killing uh, three people every day. Those things are facts, and uh, we already have those things. And uh, we always make excuses, you know, um, well, those things are true, but there are good things too. But right. we now we have this situation in which we have this new situation being introduced so smoothly, you know, this seamless. Uh, and now we have this situation that people call a new normal. So this is a really eye-opening that the uh, the structure can generate this thing um, so easily, um, incredibly easily. Um, and, and yeah, Corey, what you know, if because I don't, <clears throat> you know, I <laughs> I haven't done any studies on what the demographics are for for our listenership here. Um, quite a few people um, listen to these, but but I think it would be useful to to get a kind of thumbnail about the, the actual nature of this reset. Um, you know, if that's possible to give a thumbnail, but, but to sketch in some of it anyway, because I, I don't think people get it at all. Okay, um, thumbnail. So the reset, a big component of it that is actually missing from, um, from most discussion is the financialization of nature, which has been in the works for decades now, um, is the monetization of all quote unquote services that nature provides um, us to live. And basically everything in nature will be assigned a monetary value. So what you have is um, they talk about GDP being replaced. They The campaigns, um, they're, led by World, e World Economic Forum in partnership with the World Wildlife Fund, which is bears responsibility for torture, displacement, um, rape, murder of indigenous peoples. These are the types of institutions that we're um, dealing with that, you know, people, they're reframed under the, mm you know, really, really um, incredibly. The, the marketing is so intense. These very people that do so much damage are reframed as environmental, holistic, um, right. you know, very much in line with the things that we do want to see. And so there's a massive lack of understanding there. Um, but basically, um, the, so the financialization of nature, back to that, it's the displacement of Indigenous peoples, and that comes about not only by monetizing nature and putting in protected, uh, more protected areas that will be owned by West and quote-unquote conservation NGOs. Um, indigenous peoples will all be also be replaced 
by way of having to um, seize what remains of the earth's rare earth minerals and everything else, metals, everything required for this fourth industrial revolution, which is the great reset. Um, they're looking at doubling the world's infrastructure over the next 15 to 20 years, right? Which will require about $100 trillion, which they're eyeing the pension funds for. Um, and that, that's happening right now, that um, transfer from pension fund money into these emerging markets. Right. Um, so, sorry, jumping well, all over yeah, the place. It's a massive plunder, you know, of, of things like, like pension monies and stuff. And it's, it's interesting because I sometimes talk to people and um, the face of these environmental um, corporate entities, things like the World Wildlife Fund, um, are people like Richard Attenborough, um, David Attenborough. Richard was the director, wasn't he? David Attenborough um, and, and Jane Goodall, and, you know, they have intentionally picked the most benign appearing, you know, the, the, the symbols of benign care, your grandmother, your grandfather. Um, and, and I've had people say to me, oh, but, you know, if that's true, I'm sure Jane doesn't know about it. You know, she's just being used. That must be it. Um, because marketing is incredibly successful and we've known this for a long time. And, and if, if, you know, your recent posting was extraordinary, actually, Corey, and, and part of it was looking at the art direction for, um, you know, all of, all of these things related to, to healthcare and, and vaccination. And, um, and I thought they spent a great deal of time and money um, finding the most effective marketing imagery imaginable because most people don't read things very closely and they don't investigate things very deeply. And it, it um, you know, even on a superficial level, it does not take more than a few minutes to trace back who funds what. I mean, your research goes much deeper, but as I say, on a superficial level, you can you the tentacles of of um, financial institutions that that people would associate with bad, let's say, um, are right there. It's not a secret. Nobody's nobody's really hiding anything. It's there if you take the time to look at it. But most people don't, and uh, and and because of that, as you put it, domestication, people's kind of apathy or or you know, cognitive deadness right now. Um, there is there is a tendency to just accept it, accept wealthy entities as somehow uh, the authority on things. You know, um, if 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 you quote things about COVID, if you if you quote facts, if you quote you know inconsistencies on the CDC website people don't really want to hear it because it's it disrupts their world view somehow in, a, in an extraordinary way and then as i just wrote in my last piece about hollywood you know hollywood has been working with the cia and pentagon for 40 years 50 years intimately and i talk to writers in hollywood now and there are 
uh, CIA advisors in every story conference, if it's even remotely related to, you know, the U.S. policy. Um, and yet, and yet, people don't, don't read those shows, don't, don't internalize those shows with that stuff, that reality, which they know, which they're aware of. Um, isn't part of it. So there's some kind of strange compartmentalization that goes on. Anyway, I'm sort of free associating here, but um, uh, the, the, it's interesting how we have shifted from the climate debate. There was such a huge push for the Green New Deal and Greta and all of this stuff. And suddenly it got bounced off the front page by COVID and <laughs> And the pollution of just face masks is an interesting, um, you know, sidebar to this. But um, I suspect it's coming back, though. Yeah, you were going to say. I was just going to say, and the war on terror is completely finished now. The war yeah. on terror that we saw for two decades has disappeared, replaced with now what I think we'll see over the next decade, at least, is just the war on different viruses, you know, mutated viruses. Um there's all kinds of tie-ins now with this to push forward um, climate agenda, agendas um, under the guise of climate mitigation to further capital, right? So again, everything reframed, I think a huge part of this is conformity, um, the most powerful weapon, you know, used against us. I say that um, quite often. I go back um, to the ASH experiment. Um, you can see right away, um, despite someone knowing factual facts that are right there in front of them, if if you have the majority that says one thing, that person just feels such pressure um, to go along, and, and and you know, right now they 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 can create this narrative because they own everything. Again, they own academia. They they own in the system where where we're all enslaved and dependent upon this income, you know, from some of us um, more than others. But you get everyone, the media, you get the NGOs, you get the science community, you get the media, which they own all of it. You get everyone um, behind this one narrative and the conformity and the pressure to go along human nature is just so intense yeah it is and and um the effect of i mean we're looking at and i guess you know 20 some years of um something that has steadily increased over that 20 years and that is is the use of of you know screens tablets smartphones your laptop the internet um from these platforms that are owned by these people. And there are countless studies uh, testifying to several things. One is that students who, um, classrooms in which they've you know, got, done away with books um, and just have students using computers or tablets or something do much worse. Students get stupider. I mean, that's been verified countless times now, um, that there's been a significant rise in teenage depression, teenage suicide, teenage self-abuse of some sort or other, self-harm. Um, 
and and that there is an increasing over the entire population um an incredible increase in depression feelings of loneliness despair um and since the lockdown of course um where people are virtually living their entire lives on things like zoom um there's been a, a absolute acute spike um in in opiate overdose overdoses domestic abuse suicide um and and clinical depression and these are i mean just overwhelming numbers uh, not to mention of course the the fact that you know people are being rendered homeless in in staggering numbers in the u.s anyway um see that's the thing with norway is is that doesn't happen here people go crazy and get depressed and they have children suffer um but but the the government here is still relatively um benign in the sense that, that nobody goes homeless you you don't find homeless people in norway of course the population is only five million so anyway but the but the point is that that that's that's another factor in this conformity um is that is that i mean people have stopped going to movies so the fact that cinemas are closed theaters are closed museums are closed um has less of an impact than one might think because people were already staying home glued to their computer screens anyway you know it's 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 the netflix decade and um and worse the social media decade and so these these platforms which have been proven to you know increase aggression the algorithms for facebook operate on negative emotions it brings out a lynch mob mentality and 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 um absolute levels of aggression i think normally people wouldn't express but they do it's kind of like road rage or something road rage on the information highway um and and, you know it's it's that's another aspect of it i feel like i know very smart people who in the u.s you know who haven't left their house but maybe twice in eight weeks or something because they're scared not even because there's laws against they're just scared um and and they binge watch you know eight seasons of the sopranos or something again for the second time or third time i mean that's what people are doing and um and it's so so the fact that that the transfer of wealth and that happened under obama you know the transfer of wealth to the top one or two percent is nearly complete now and it began under him and so um the fact that culture and art is being gutted the way it is has had much less impact than one might think i guess because people were already um had already abandoned it in in some way or other um and and so i find that aspect you know terrifying and the other thing and <laughs> the other thing is is this is this strain branch of eugenics the strain of eugenics that runs through all of the the discourse about saving the planet um 
that somehow, there, you know, Prince William the other day said there's too many people on the planet, you know, and I wonder who he meant. Um, in and and this is this is an um, um, a belief, an elitist white supremacist belief that you know drove Hitler. I mean, Hitler modeled the final solution on California eugenics um, to some degree, and and. Um, and, and this is consistent with the World Wildlife Fund. All of these people are always saying something about people themselves being the problem, you know, that we are the virus somehow. Anyway, um, Hiroyuki. Yes. It's <laughs> I, no, I mean, I'm just <laughs> I'm just mentioning culture and art. I mean, what's your reading on that in in um, New York? Because that's where you are. Um, you, well, it's it's pretty strict in terms of uh, lockdown and uh, uh, mask wearing, and um, um, I think people convinced uh, that what they hear is uh, pretty much more or less true. And, um, but at the same time, I do hear people um, uh, doubting uh, certain aspects of uh, what's going on. And, right. um, um, but then I, I feel this lack of um, direction when we talk about those things, because uh, we, we understand, we, we kind of step back and look at it as, um, uh, issue of ca the capitalist framework, uh, the economic imperative is forcing the society to be in certain ways. And um, if you don't have this uh, understanding of the mechanism, um, people are forced to conform to fascist ideologies. And I see a lot of um, uh, indications that people are buying into um, that kind of uh, momentum. And one of the thing, of course, is uh, uh, supporting President Trump. And um, yes, uh, really. the momentum was totally pushed and politicized. And uh, this has been a great uh, detriment to understand what's going on and also um, basic um, 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 the momentum against communism, socialism. Um, um, so you know this is this is a really concerning uh, uh, situation, which which is which is obvious uh, from the direction of the uh, the capitalist framework, sort of squeezing the people. To be in certain ways, and one of the thing would be um, um, the you know emergence of fascism and also uh, uh, destruction of communism. Right, and I, Corey, I want to ask you something, but let me just make a quick comment on that because what what I think one of the things that is happening is that you, you, the 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 propaganda system the 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 that is massive for the U.S. state and all of these global corporations and 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 financial entities, the 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 you know they employ lots of very expensive Madison Avenue marketers and they have the propaganda is amazingly effective and one of the things they do is send out fake 
opposition, fake dissent, to completely confuse everybody and also to discredit real skeptics and real dissent. So that you have people saying things like, oh, this great reset, it's just communism. Klaus Schwab is a communist. We're going to get communism again. Um, and, and people believe this. And I have seen a, a really precipitous rise in, um, in anti-Semitism online from progressives and the left, um, which I suppose makes perfect sense that that, that would um, kind of rear its head again. Uh, but it goes along with uh, all of this kind of vulgar populism and, and you know, it, it, it links also with the whole Trump phenomenon. And, uh, you know, Biden is going to be a far more warlike president. He will institute uh, martial law much, much quicker, much more harshly domestically. Um, than Trump would have more effectively and people will embrace it more because the script for Biden is that, you know, he's a progressive, he was Obama's vice president. So anyway, I'm just saying that, that that's one of the problems is this, um, is, is this sort of cyber agent provocateurism as it were. Um, and, I, and I see it all the time, but anyway, Corey, um, <laughs> there's so many just... things yeah, go yeah there's so much here. I mean, my head's just exploding with information. It feels like that every day. I can't even sleep. My brain just goes like yeah. a record, you know, just spins 24, like every yeah. second of every day. Um, I mean, what you were speaking to just a few minutes ago about the detriment, detrimental impacts to our health. I mean, it's just, I mean, such bitter irony that this is so destructive to our, our bodily, our, you know, our health, the, the physical health, our bodies um, by way of these chemical sanitizers, masks, everything. Um, and then obviously as well as our mental health and that this is all happening under the guise of protecting health. I mean, right. I, I, I don't know how that goes miss, you know, how people can't really see that. And the idea that these, um, the, the governments that actually serve the serve capital and serve the corporations are somehow now interested in protecting our health. I mean, that's just as wild as it gets. And so I, I don't, I, yeah, I don't understand that. And I mean, to, you know, in respect to that as well, Deloitte, which is a partner of World Economic Forum, as well as the Business Roundtable, and ask me about that later because that's sort of something new that I've stumbled on, the Business Roundtable. Well, they actually have a video on, on YouTube about the Great Reset, and the title is, I think it's the title, or it's in the, um, the what, what do you call it, like the introduction of the video somewhere, it's, it actually says, who will thrive and who will perish? Right. That's the that's what we're going into here. That's how mentally taxing and destructive this great set will be. And they know it. They're fully aware. Um, It's very depraved. Well, I mean, you look at the fact that, you know, speaking about how unreal it is that that all of this unfolded so quickly, the covid, the pandemic narrative 
and that people so readily accepted um, these measures and accepted a narrative. I mean, you and now you have all these people, the suffering and despair of people locked down, losing their jobs, losing business, the monopolization of retail, thousands, millions, or at least hundreds of thousands of businesses have gone out, 40 million jobs lost. Um, and perfectly healthy people, perfectly healthy people in their 40s sit at home cowering, wearing their mask and are afraid to go to the market. It's unbelievable. That's how effective the, the, the marketing is. You, I can't think historically of any precedent in which you had a massive population of asymptomatic, perfectly healthy people um, so terrified um, that that of a virus that they have a 99 point something percent chance of surviving were they to even get it but still are 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 cowed are are want harsher lockdowns want harsher measures and i'll i'll just on a personal note i know people here two musicians classical musicians i know violinists um and they're very skeptical of the story um, they say, yeah, things don't add up. Nothing, none of these measures make sense. And when one of them teaches at school and say, yeah, sometimes there's mass, sometimes there aren't. And when we teach, you know, and yet um, the wife wants harsher, stricter lockdowns and measures because she's scared. And I said, but, but children are immune, you know, statistically immune. They're more likely to, to die in a traffic accident on the way to school than from COVID doesn't matter doesn't matter because that fear is fear is not rational and and you can you can convince people of anything if you keep scaring them and and that's what they're doing daily all the time and with that with blatant lies you know um doesn't matter you point out the lies doesn't matter you know so tell me about the business round table okay yeah like just on that i just wanted to add in they recognize, you know, the science that people react to emotion, not to not to facts, right? And so they exploit that and utilize that um, right across the board, from from government, from you know, advertisers, NGOs, all the way down. That's exploited and utilized and used against us. I wanted to add, you know, I really liked what Hiroyuki wrote, maybe even in, early in the year. It's not you know, the whole thing. I mean, remember, Greta Thunberg actually warned us, change is coming, whether you like it or not. She's repeated that over and over in many yeah. speeches, right? Well, here, here it is. But I mean, Hiroyuki said, it, what was her phrase? The house is on fire, right? And that came right out of the manual, the climate emergency communications manual, how to make people, um, you know, sort of, um, become very, very anxious about this, how to exploit their emotion and fear to, um, to get, to accelerate the global architecture that they intend to roll out. And Hiroyuki said, it's not um, our house that's on fire, it's their house, right? And that's the whole point of this. We have an economy now, a global economy that serves very few people. It's not serving um, it's not serving us anymore, right? We have a global economy, um, capitalist economy that serves a very, very small handful of people. And right now what we see, like you were saying, John, a contraction 
we're, re we're rerouting even more wealth from, from small artisan independent business from everywhere. And it's being rerouted into, um, you know, Bezos and all the other huge corporations as we go digital. And that's a huge part of the great reset that we can expand on. But getting back to the business roundtable. And so, um, yeah, I stumbled upon a few days ago. It, it, I think it was launched maybe September 21st. Um, NASDAQ, the stock exchange in New York City, put in New York Times Square, a great big thing, Imperative 21's the campaign. And we, I, the great big flashing lights had, had up there, we support the reset. And then they have about, I don't know, 16 really beautiful posters um, that go along with this campaign, all sorts of emotive, um, enticing language, you know, that makes people feel better. You know, the very corporations that destroyed the planet will now save us. But basically, so what you have now is World Economic Forum, which is which was started um, with money from the European Commission, and now you have the Business Roundtable in the United States, which I believe was started founded back in 1974 by Alcoa and um, General Electric. Now, I think I read when I was researching this a couple of days ago, they actually control about 25%, maybe that's even higher of all the um, financial activity in the United States. So this is huge. The business round table is um, Bezos, all the war corporations like Lockheed, Northrop. Um, it's Pfizer, Johnson & Johnson. It's massive and they're actually behind Imperative 21. So you've got Imperative 21, the reset, and then um, you've got the Great Reset, right? So again, you've got the whole, these huge nations really pushing this, but they're in the background, right? And so um, <laughs> the whole idea is to get people, instead of recognizing that this very system will not, that serves the few at the expense of our planet and our brothers and sisters in the global south, and I mean, people here, our own people in our own families, neighbors, communities, um, they want to just actually reframe it all, right? Massive marketing, massive. So now we have stakeholder capitalism, um, right? And, and the, the round tables hidden behind this, they've, um, you'll see it roll out. You'll see all across 350s involved, 350.org, you'll see everyone involved all the NGOs in that. I mean, the idea that this very system that's brought us to this precipice will now be the system that will save us is ludicrous. <laughs> I mean, right? That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, I'm working on that and I'd like to write about it. I'm just sort of drowning in pieces right now that I have to get finished. <laughs> but no, I, do. I know my head explodes all the time as well i mean I, I i there's so much stuff and there's topics that one wants to touch on and, and point up <clears throat> but but that migration of wealth that, that you were mentioning earlier that that you know in quotation marks they own everything but the but the very wealthy the high net worth guys as they are referred to often um 
really essentially do own everything now. And um, one of the curious, um, I don't know if it's paradoxes, but in, in, in a lot of the people I read who are skeptical or dissenting to some degree or question some of this, um, but there is a there. They have also sold all of this um, as a as very futuristic. It's like the Jetsons' future. <clears throat> you hear countless articles about AI and and electronic surveillance and everything. Yeah, sure. But they've had that for a long time. That's that's not really new. Um, and there are there are limits to it. You know, the thing that always amazes me is the world is more proletarianized than ever. There's, there's more people doing crap labor over the planet, but they're invisible. They don't, you know, they're not on CNN every night, um, but Elon Musk is. And um, there's a kind of intoxication with this, this kind of science fiction-y narrative that is trotted out all the time. And I feel it becomes a kind of mystification um, that, that, that people, I don't know, succumb to in a way. They're besotted with the very stuff they're critiquing. And um, the fact is that, that so much of this has been in existence for a while. I mean, this has been going on. Um, there's a, obviously it has accelerated, you know, drastically, profoundly of late, but, but, but this has been going on for a while. I mean, mass surveillance has, has been in existence for, um, for uh, several decades. Um, they just refine it and they get a bit better, but it, it no longer matters. The thing I always end up with is that it no longer matters if it works, if facial recognition works. Ultimately, they don't care if it works. They just want everyone to believe it works. Um, and, and this is one of the terrifying aspects of the, the erosion of due process. Because most of this stuff, facial recognition and, and even fingerprints, but all of the rest of it, none of this stuff stands up in court, but, but courts are being kind of gradually eliminated from the equation. People no longer get their day in court. You no longer get due process. Um, it is becoming very much a kind of Orwellian um, scenario. And, and, uh, and I, I don't know where, I have no punchline to this other than I, I fear often that the discussion of AI becomes a distraction, that, that what's really going on is what capitalism has always done and what has changed is that rather than this infinite expansion, we're not in the area of era of colonialism or anything like that. Now we're in an era era of contraction, and it's like the controlled demolition of capitalism, but they're doing the controlling, and um, and it, you know the the image that has been trotted out by numerous people is that we're entering this new feudalism. Um, but it's not inaccurate, I don't think, and and that's what's terrifying. And um, and you know, like I said, I keep you know on a personal level, I I find the travel restrictions extraordinarily depressing and shocking, and they cause me loss of sleep because I've spent my whole life traveling. It's all I've ever done is travel, and um, 
and now I can't. And I think maybe my kids can't. And um, and it's depressing. It's it's scary. Anyway, um, yeah. So um, maybe we should. Um, any other topics you want to introduce here? Well, you know, Joan, I I, I do get what you've been saying about the uh, AI and um, um, uh, how the capitalist framework is utilizing uh, the new field to enforce whatever they want to enforce. Um, I think it's it's sort of like a it's a deal given by the establishment. Um, just like the government uh, the democratic process, uh, we are presented with a uh, 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 process of uh, choosing uh, elected officials or uh, separation of powers. Uh, um, you know, all those things are done under capitalist um, framework always work for the ruling class. It's designed as device, but they present it as a deal. You know, we have this good thing right. and we're gonna be better off. But if you look at it, it's always, there are people who are benefiting tremendously from those things. And there are people who are suffering, the majority of the people. So whatever we are being presented is gonna be the same thing. It's a deal and the people are conditioned to take it. Yeah. Out of fear. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. Like what I see right now is um, a huge fear uh, from Imperative 21 World Economic Forum and basically the billionaires across the board. And I've, I've seen this for the past um, couple years at least, um, the, the same fear shared by many of them is that they are terrified of, the, of people revolting against the system. I mean, we have a capitalist system teetering on collapse, but prior to the, pan, the announcement of the pandemic by the WHO in March, the world, um, we had reached a global 253 trillion in global debt, and now that's at 270 trillion. Um, but what I see through the papers that I read is the fear of revolt, the fear that people will disengage from the system and not trust it anymore and pull out. And that's right. why you see so much um, energies going into these um, idiotic US elections. And, um, you know, th these Western countries, the, the voting is so meaningless. They all are controlled now by corporate power and serve corporate power and not people. Um, so, yeah, that's a huge thing. The fear of revolt, I, that's even imperative 21. The idea is to bring people into this narrative to make them believe. So like John, I think it's not so much. It's that that it's that like a Hollywood promise of all this exciting stuff you've been watching in movies is exactly. right around the corner. It's going to make your life better. It's so exciting. You're part of, you know, you're part of this um, film in real life as it unveils. But what I see, especially with this campaign, I saw a picture of one of these posters just massively blowing up somewhere in New York City within a, within a building. So I don't know what building it was, but within a great big you know, office building. And it's more like super sophisticated marketing just to 
ensure they have the social contract to continue their plunder, to continue their exploitation, to continue um, the ruling class structures, to maintain their positions of power, right? That's, I, I think it's just all more and more sophisticated marketing, branding that's, um, you know, really, um, when people are afraid or unsure, anxious, they will buy into it more easily. There, there, there's no discussion about from NGOs or grass movements that you see, right, through media, there's no discussion whatsoever about, um, about nationalizing all these corp corporations and then trying to, okay, and then we make the decision, what are we going to keep? What are we going to get rid of? What things do we actually need to produce to survive, to have healthy quality lives? What things can we get rid of? You know, look at the amount of garbage and junk um, generated. I yeah. mean, right? Why is there no yeah. discussion? Let's get rid of it all and build um, economies around knowledge, beautiful food, arts, you know, th things that actually make us healthy and give us quality lives. Well, you know, the, <clears throat> it's interesting in light of that, I'm reminded because Hiroyuki mentioned it earlier, the, the kind of anti-communism that runs through it. They, they don't want people to to turn off their engagement. They, they, they absolutely do not. And they're terrified of that. I mean, it is still, you know, we are many, they are few. I mean, it's true. And that, so what they see as a surplus or disposable population also scares them. Um, and, and so you, you see marketing in overdrive to demonize socialist movements. Venezuela is demonized, you know. Um, yeah. uh, Bolivia is demonized. The Soviet uh, experiment was demonized. The revolution in China is demonized. Cuban revolution is demonized. Um, constantly, it's just, it's just a drumbeat because they don't want people to ask, well, the Cuban revolution, you know, they, they, they did terrible things. They, whatever. And you go, do you know what it was like before the revolution? And, but they don't want that question asked. Do you know what it was like in Russia before the Bolshevik Revolution? Um, that's a question that is literally um, forbidden to, to be asked uh, because it would suggest to people that, aha, um, the revolution did not fall from the sky. There, there was a reason for it. And there is a reason today for it. But they don't want people, they don't want that thought literally to enter into into people's heads and so um you know i saw some elected official i wish i could remember who was talking the other day um and uh said well i don't i think people should be happy with living 75 years that that's a complete life and you shouldn't expect anything more than that <laughs> and i thought well it gives me five years okay great um <laughs> you know this is nazi like i mean this is, right. is is terrifying but it was presented under the guise of like the this great new reset future of you know um the jetsons and you'll live to be 75 but you'll be really happy to then become soil and green i guess i don't know um 
that public officials can say stuff like that. It's, but it's just been a mad era. Who was the Canadian? Your health director said that married couples shouldn't kiss in bed or something. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. It's become sex negative and um, anti-human, anti-life. Um, none of the ruling class have to wear masks. None of them um, have had their travel plans interrupted. None of them um, are suffering um, clinical depression or homelessness. You know, um, this has no impact on them. And yet, I saw the most popular show in Norway this week was The Crown. <laughs> you know, and and it's 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 that's a that's a whole complex discussion, obviously, but. But that worship of that sort of abdication of your own autonomy and freedom and worship of authority is a is a powerful is a powerful template and it and it still exists. Um, but well, then those yeah, things, yeah, John, that you were talking about, like the inhumanity, the anti-life. I mean, that's deliberate, as because I mean, this that's the whole point of the Great Reset, right? Is to um, reject the physical world, reject physical human relationships, and instead embrace and um, infuse with the digital world and digital, you know, quote unquote relationships, um, everything digital. So they want everything physical moving online. Um, they don't want you outside anymore doing anything. They want you in front of your screen and our children um, for your whole life. I mean, that's the, that's the goal. And then the irony of this the whole great reset being um, accelerated again under the guise of mitigate climate mitigation, um, um, regenerative agriculture, not agriculture, um, biodiversity, um, you know, protection of biodiversity. And then that's, I mean, it's just crazy because part three of the social dilemma series, I really, really dive into this, the found the foundation of this, the infrastructure going forward for this whole fourth industrial revolution is absolutely, is an absolute environment, ecological nightmare. Like it's unbelievable. It's, um, well, further just at, at a, at a pace far, far, faster than what was seen up to this point will plunder and destroy and create greenhouse gas emissions like no one's ever seen because this infrastructure the dot the hyperscale data centers and all the rest of it that's going to facilitate the great reset it, they, they just take massive volumes of earth's resources and energy and yeah. people have no idea i mean it's going to look like aviation look like nothing like nothing yeah. Right. And so that's what, and again, you know, that's something you don't talk about. No one's going to look at that or talk about it. We'll just well, pretend. The, yeah. Oh God, get me started. You know, the climate, the climate discourse, I had so many fights with people, you know, because I, I, I said, as soon as an article <clears throat> is published in which you, you don't mention the military, military pollution, wars, the, the pollution from wars, the, yeah. the munitions industry, the defense industry. You don't even mention the packaging industry, which is the third largest industry in the world and has managed to erase themselves from collective consciousness. Nobody ever asks 
why packaging is the way it is, which is enormously wasteful. Um, and then I read a statistic that Americans waste 40% of the food they produce. Um, this is in a country of increasing um, food precarity and, and hungry children. Um, but if it's, it's just staggering. I mean, I see at the supermarket, and again, Norway is a comparatively sane country. The operative word is comparatively. But um, you see individual apples wrapped in, wrapped in, in pliable plastic, you know. You, uh, I, I, saw, I saw a banana peeled and sliced wrapped in plastic for sale. <laughs> you know, it's like a Monty Python sketch. Um, and yet this stuff never gets questioned. You know, instead there's endless, dis oh, it's 1.2 degrees on the thermometer is rising and that's what we should really all care about. And we have to like meet the new accords with all of these, you know, um, as if any of those people that go to those conferences and represent Western capitalist governments give a shit about any of what they say they give a shit about because yeah. they don't. Um, and and they, they care about their own um, positions of privilege and sustaining that, making money for their constituency and themselves, and that's it. Um, and keeping the teeming masses from um, having those thoughts, having dangerous thoughts. That's, that's essentially the, the, um, the, the goal of, of any of that stuff. And um, yeah, I mean, one of the things I remember appreciating so much when I first read your work, Corey, was, um, was you know, the stuff about all of the climate NGOs, you know, and people like McKibben and, and um, all of the of Vaz and all of these places and organizations. And but you see it, it it's so automatic now with social movements, and it's what causes me great depression. You know, I mean, you see like how quickly Black Lives Matters or defunding the police or any of the you know, there's good people involved in all of this, and yet it very quickly gets brought up, you know, instantly, almost instantaneous. I don't know what you do to not get purchased. That's, I think, a real question. Oh, um, <laughs> what was I gonna say? Well, I don't know, I don't know. It's, um, we're sort of at the, we're, God, we've talked for a long time. It feels like five minutes. There's so much stuff to touch on. Well, you, you know what? The, the, I mean, it, it really comes down to the fact that we, we do uh, need to be educated about um, Marxist perspective. I mean, this is, this is really, if we go back to the basic and look at what capitalism does, uh, it's the way... Uh, our social relation, what we care about are turned into monetary value. And uh, in the process, things are controlled and we lose society and we're giving this illusion of what the values are, beliefs are and norms are. And that belongs to the ruling class. And what we are experiencing is the direct descendant of the accumulated um, 
violence by the capitalists. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, yeah. and, you know, when, when we realize that what we need is that, you know, there's no way around, you know, what we need is structural change. I mean, we, we have to go beyond this feudalistic uh, organization as a species and, you know, well, this is the great debate about reform, you know, it's, it's, it's always a double-edged question and classical, you know, the far left friends of mine will, you know, um, decry reform because it perpetuates the system. Um, others will say, but, but they do actually improve the living conditions for certain people and, and prevent suffering on a, a, you know, significant scale sometimes. And yet, yeah, it perpetuates the system. I think it was Paul Krasner, was it Paul Krasner? Somebody once said reification, you know, which is one of the of hallmark ideas in Marxism. Reification is where you treat your friends like appliances and your appliances like friends. Um, and that's, that's what I'm seeing with the Great Reset. It's just the next stage. It's like hyper reification. Um, and, and I've read so many places where all Marx is obsolete and it doesn't, it, no, he's not. <laughs> if you don't read Marx, you're gonna really struggle understanding um, the implications of all the stuff Corey has introduced and researched, you know. Um, it, it's absolutely germane and really important, more important than ever probably. Yeah, I just wanted to add to that too. I mean, I used to write a lot about climate change. Um, I found that I had to, now I write about ecology, which climate change fall, would fall under because I started seeing all around me the shift where we became willing to champion and demand um, so quote unquote solutions that destroy nature in order to mitigate climate. I mean, how does that make sense? I, I mean, it doesn't make sense but it's driven because of the foundations that are fed by the corporations, right? Yeah. And so you ha again have them molding our, our, the way we think and um, they shape and they manufacture our movements. And I mean, it just becomes really, really insane at, at some point. And then yeah. about, about, you know, that energies that you were talking about, definitely, yes, people, want change and there's great people and they exploit that and that's what they call new power where you heart where you help um you nurture that energy you help build it you help create it and then you harness it and you use it as hymens would say the co-founder purpose to get what you want and now we have his his books i think he's published three or four new power books those have read by probably by they're endorsed by Jane Goodall, Richard Branson, um, Black Lives Matter. Why uh, are people that identify as left, why haven't they read them, right? So again, like we're not, we, we need that history, that knowledge, um, Hiroyuki's speaking about too. Um, we have to do the work. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's what kind of keeps me writing, I don't know, um, and, and, you know, I, your work has been inspirational, actually, and, and gives me some hope. Um, and, and Hiroyuki, too, we talk all the time. And, and um, 
but yeah, it's crucial to it's crucial to not forget history. I mean, you can't. But listen, um, I just want to be because we're kind of running on here. I hope, firstly, we can do this again because I feel like we just scratched the surface. Um, but secondly, uh, people interested in Corey Morningstar's work should Google the wrong kind of green, and you'll find her blog with all endless several weeks worth of reading for you people and since you're all locked down i can't think of anything better anything better to read um then when you finish with Corey, you can read marks um <laughs> and uh but it it really is important that this stuff um that people study this stuff i think we're in such a the loss of public education has had very dire consequences, I think. Anyway, read The Wrong Kind of Green. I want to thank Corey and Hiroyuki. Um, uh, and I hope we can do this again. Um, and, and I guess that's it. Any closing thoughts from anybody? Um, it was a pleasure speaking with you both. And I really appreciate um, the opportunity to have this discussion and thank you for it. And I would like to do it again. Yeah, me too. Me too. Yes, okay. definitely. I, I'd love to do it again. And uh, um, thank you so much uh, for, for both of you. And um, um, and about Corey's work, I really um, uh, appreciate it because it really demonstrates uh, how things work in details. And uh, um, it, it just shows us uh, what's going on uh, structurally. And uh, that's really important when we think about um, um, how we are affected by what's going on. So yeah. Yeah. thank you it's, so much. It's yeah. essential reading, absolutely. Yeah. All right, thank you guys. Um, we'll do it again. Stay well. Yes. Have a great day. Bye-bye.